right, you're listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Lease. This is a two-part series, a second part here, uh, year-end tax planning for business owners. And Glenn is here. Glenn's got Bill Baker, who is with Granite Mountain Accounting, offices in Arizona, also offices in New Mexico, yep, yep. Uh, GraniteMountainAccounting.com. Uh, he's an enrolled agent. And I, maybe we should start with that because it came up last week. <laughs> yeah. Enrolled agent versus CPA. Yeah, they. Um, one of the main differences is a CPA can certify financial statements, but you know, really, that's only the main difference. Um, they both are accreditations. Both have to take tests and study for. But um, yeah, they're you know, an enrolled agent can almost do everything that a CPA can, except for certify your profit and loss or your you know, balance sheet, something like that. And that, that probably only takes and comes into play as your business starts to get pretty, pretty big, you know, where you start to need those. Well, Bill, your niche is kind of dealing with a lot of small business owners, mm-hmm. um, which is the really still the backbone of our country, I believe. It is the backbone. <laughs> Hopefully it will Hopefully. continue to be. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Last week we covered strategic year end tax planning for business owners. Um, why don't you remind us uh, why this area, I guess, Glenn, we'll start with you. Why is this so important for people? <clears throat> yeah. So, um, yeah, the holidays come up. seems like right around Thanksgiving, it's just like a blackout for the yeah. rest of the year. Everyone's like, oh, the holidays, you know, like, I, I get it. Like I've got kids and stuff's busy and dances and whatnot and recitals and parties. Um, but doing some strategic planning now, um, an ounce of prevention will give you, what is it? A pound of, uh, what's the, what, how's that saying go? I don't know. Oh yeah. You, I, I'm blanking. I, out, I started tuning out after Thanksgiving to be honest with you. <laughs> <laughs> but a little bit of planning now will really pay dividends in the future. And there are some things that you need to implement, uh, if you want to before the year end, some specific types of retirement plans have to have funding before the year end, certain purchases that the business do does for capital investment or growing the business or renovating, investing in the company, whatever it may be, have to be done in the calendar year. So, you know, if you look at kind of your tentative profit and loss for the year and have an idea and going, wow, I'm going to have a huge tax bill. Maybe this is the year that I do want to make that purchase to kind of offset so I can depreciate some assets or whatever the case may be. Now's the time to start thinking about it, not April of next year yeah. or September of next year, because then you, you may have already missed your, your window of opportunity. And the difference between being efficient with your taxes and inefficient as a business owner can make all the difference in the world. It can make the difference from you being very profitable and you just being somewhat profitable, if that makes sense. And it just came to me. Uh, an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Well, there it came it to me via Google. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if, we, if we didn't have that to look everything up, right? Uh, well, Bill, and like I said, Bill Baker is with us with Granite Mountain Accounting. Uh, your profession collaborates with other professionals, such as investment advisors like Glenn here, Glenn Least. Uh, talk about the teamwork. How does it benefit um, everybody around well, when you're working it, with a team of people like this? It primarily benefits the client. Uh, it, it, it's super whenever we have a, a financial advisor, investment advisor, uh, check in and say, okay, uh, what's the, the tax situation looking like? Should we be converting any uh, traditional IRAs into Roth IRAs mm-hmm. for this client? Should they uh, uh, be making any contributions? Those are those are super helpful in, in terms of reducing their taxes and, and taking really kind of more of a long-term look. Also, uh, uh, bringing in attorneys from time to time uh, are very helpful. Businesses should have a relationship with an attorney before they need him. 
<laughs> or her, uh, in relation to contracts and retainer. Mostly, yeah. Well, at least have a relationship something going on, uh, relation to contracts and employee uh, matters. And then, uh, uh, as time goes on, estate matters, that's becoming more and more of a thing. And, and it's the, the, the pound of prevention, no, which ounce of cure, an ounce of prevention, it? Uh, it's coming to me again. Yeah. Ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. Right, a pound right. of cure. Yeah. And that probably in the legal world, it's maybe a ton of cure. Yeah. Uh, really uh, having a, having so, that team yeah, that, around that team. you. Right. And interesting yeah. enough, we just picked up an estate planning uh, division within our company. So now we have uh, multiple different divisions. So yeah. we're, we're hoping to be a one-stop shop eventually where you can have that whole entire team approach. Cause we've already been working with CPAs for years and working with the state plannings for, you know, state planning attorneys for years. And, you know, can we kind of start to synergize, you know, all under one roof. So we're kind of hopefully moving towards that direction as a, as a firm too. It's become so complex. It's hard to, especially as a small <laughs> oh, yeah. business owner, you're not putting it in the, the quicken and figuring right. this yeah. all out and getting it, it filed. It, and each, each owner has a different uh, objective that they yeah. want to reach different situation. They want to retire or be financially independent at 30, you know? So that's different than the fellow who's saving up to give it all to his church Mm -hmm. uh, later on in, in life. Yeah. Everybody's got different goals. Well, Glenn, what do you think is an underutilized investing tool that can benefit business owners to reduce their tax impact while being able to save invest at the same time? Um, so most people have heard of a 401k, but mm-hmm. I don't think as many people have heard of a solo 401k or an individual 401k. And that is a, a, a tool that I've been using tremendously. So how it works is um, you can't have any employees. So this would be perfect for a one person shop or a husband and wife combo. Um, and, and it basically has all the same benefits of a full 401k as far as contributions and deductions and all that. Um, but it's just focused on the owners only. So you can really match out um, both sides of it. So I'll kind of give you a painted scenario. So uh, say you have a solo 401k and you have two business owners and they're in their fifties and say they each pay themselves a $50,000 salary. So in that example, they would be able to contribute uh, basically 27,000 as an employee contribution and then another 12,500 as a profit sharing or employer contribution, which they're one and the same. They own the business. So in that circumstance, they're going to get 30, $39,500 $39,500 worth of tax reduction on a $50,000 salary. And that's for each one. So you can see sometimes maxing out these programs can have tremendous tax uh, uh, you know, benefits sure. if, if they need to really play catch up. And the nice thing with the solo 401k is there's no, no funding requirements. You can fund it max one year and not fund it the next. Um, there's no cost to set them up. Whereas when you do a full 401k, you have to hire what's called a third party administrator and they have to file taxes with the department or 5,500 uh, tax returns with the IRS plus, you know, meet Department of Labor and ERISA requirements. And so there's a little bit more cost to, you know, do a full 401k. Now there's still great plans, but that solo 401k, they don't have to um, do the same requirements because it's just a owner only or owner and spouse. Okay. All right. And I, Bill, similar question for you, I think here, Uh, but I do want to preface that just what you said, Glenn, or, or really focus on everybody is very different. The situations yeah. are different. It can be very complex. Mm-hmm. So anything we talk about here, they're examples. And informa- yeah, yeah, because you examples. really need to, you need to fine tune your individual situation, talk to a, a tax professional, uh, talk to financial planners, all that. You have, need to have the whole team that Bill's been talking about for your individual situation. But Bill, similar question, I guess, what's the underutilized tax benefit or program that you see for small business owners that they're overlooking? It, it is the deferred compensation element that 
There are a lot of different types of plans. It's never too late to get it going. Uh, you can do it all at the end of the year. You can do it every week a little bit. You can do it uh, monthly. The, uh, there are a bunch of different time deadlines that you got to consider. Uh, December 31st is the biggest one, but there's other deadlines. And sometimes there are some programs that you could, uh, you don't realize till next year that uh, uh, you could contribute to it. And, and there is a, a, a type of program that you can actually do that. Uh, you actually file your return. So maybe let's break down what a deferred compensation program is for mm-hmm. our listeners. Cause yeah. some of them may have heard of it, but they don't really know if you're the small business owner, you know, how that, you know, Im- affects them or how to implement it, that sort of thing. Yeah. So basically what occurs is that you, uh, uh, are able to contribute money into this savings account. Let's call it a savings account, a retirement type savings account. That contribution creates a deduction is what that does. So you keep the money, but yet you de- you're reducing your taxable income. And, you, and, 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 you, and you're going to pay it in the future though, at some point. One it, it's deferred, take, right? Yeah, yeah, it's deferred. Okay. That's why we call it deferred yeah. compensation. Yeah. But just make sure everyone knows it's not yeah. Never. So, so say you're a business <laughs> owner and you have just an absolutely amazing year. Um, you may say, Hey, some of this compensation I want to defer for a later part. Say you make 500,000, you're going to say, I'm going to defer a hundred thousand of it to, you know, kind of create this account down the road to pay me then. Um, well, if I understand correctly, that hundred thousand dollars is actually a contribution from the employer or is it an employee contribution? How does that work? Well, it depends on the type of plan. That's mm-hmm. why I kind of generalize. Yeah. 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 So it, it can vary, but the, the end, the end of it is it'll have a great taxable, uh, benefit to that individual in that right. tax year. Now they're going to have to pay taxes eventually down the road, but that'll be in a year where they're not making, you know, huge, amazing returns or, or, or growth or profits. And they're maybe in retirement and they're in a much lower tax bracket. So yeah. that's kind of the strategy with that. Uh, yeah. and they, they want their pound of flesh. though. eventually, eventually. Oh, yeah. we're, we're talking IRS. about pound of cure, pound of flesh <laughs> right, right. Right, right, <laughs> at right. some point. The, the basic tax strategy, is always defer income, accelerate deductions. Okay. That's it. Bottom line. And one one more point on this deadlines coming up. Obviously, December thirty first is a big one for mm-hmm. for a lot of stuff. It correct. Is. Yeah. Yeah. Is, is there another? I mean, no. And then in April, you have like funding deadlines. Is that correct? Yeah. For where, um, where you can contribute. Yeah. For like your traditional IRAs and SEP yeah. IRAs, you can fund all the way up till April 15th and or your uh, tax filing uh, deadline extension. So okay. if you file an extension, sometimes you, it depends on the situation, you may get a little bit more time to fund. Um, and then on the employer side, um, you have September 15th to fund any kind of profit sharing. So in that 401k scenario I gave that, Employee contribution has to be done by December 31st of that calendar year, but the employer contribution can be all the way up until September of the next year. Why? Because in order to calculate a profit sharing, you have to end the year. To know what you made, yeah, know, know what it was. Yeah, so okay. they give you a little bit of time to kind of do that component of it as well. So, so you still got time. Yeah, I was thinking yeah. September that we just passed. Okay. I, so I, that, I would also give a plug for the folks here in Arizona. We we have a number of Arizona tax credits that are that are unique to Arizona. And uh, you, uh, there's the school tax credit. Mm-hmm. There's the uh, private tuition tax credit. There's the um, – uh, you can give to the – Working poor. Well, well that's that what the they right? used to call they it. They used to call it. Now okay. it's called, yeah, yeah. They, they don't call it that anymore. They changed it. But but that's correct. So okay. the, the food kitchen, uh, the, the Flagstaff Family Food Center, yeah. uh, I believe the Salvation Army, there's a number of, of charities that- You can guide it, where the money yeah, goes. Yeah, and my understanding is- Well, well not guide where the money goes. You, you, you don't- Well, versus sending it to the, the, the legislature. Correct. It can that's go right, to right, the, right, the right. school or to the yeah, soup yeah. kitchen or you something like that. Yeah. So correct. say you have a- 
$1,000 tax bill and that particular, you know, charity, you can, you know, send $400. You'd write a check directly to that charity. They would get the $400 and your tax bill would now be $600 if I'm understanding it correctly. Yeah, just like so, that. yeah, you right. get to, you get to decide where it goes, but you are the one that writes the check. <laughs> Lots of questions. Okay. If someone, someone wants to talk with you, Glenn, yeah. they should give you a call. 928-225-2474. Also email, uh, Glenn's happy to do a free, no obligation consultation well, anytime. Yeah. yeah. And intelligent investing, uh, at WTWealthManagement.com. That's intelligent investing at WTWealthManagement.com. All right, a lot more to come. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back in a few minutes. You're listening to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least. Give Glenn a call right now at 928-225-2474. That's 928-225-2474. More Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least when we come back. Welcome back to Intelligent Investing with Glenn Leist. We're here with Bill Baker, who is an enrolled agent. And we're talking, obviously, year-end tax planning. We could probably do 18. We could do more shows than time we have left in the year for when it comes to tax <laughs> yeah, planning, Glenn. Yeah. Uh, let me ask you this, Glenn. How has investing in your accounting and tax knowledge benefited you over the past few years? Uh, well, I'd say I'll first start on the personal side. Uh, I, I kind of had to start learning how to do some of the things because I was a business owner and I went from a sole proprietor to an LLC and that was just something I needed to do. So the big three financial documents that most businesses have to become proficient at doing is your profit and loss, your balance sheet, and your income statement. And they're not as scary as they look or, or seem. And once you kind of understand what each area is and how to calculate it and what not to do, you know, they become a little bit more feasible. So I, I do my, my profit and loss every quarter, sometimes every month, just to kind of keep a pulse. Cause then I can see what my potential tax liability might be before I even give bill a call. I can kind of say, Oh, here's kind of a basic idea. And, um, and get a, get a kind of handle on that. And then also from the standpoint of SBA and lending, if mm-hmm. you, if you're going to need those statements to submit to your uh, small business administration or a lender to potentially get uh, corporate lending, which I'm actually in the process of looking at some options right now with the small business administration is I kind of gave them all my financial documents, all my information. They kicked it all out to all the providers and they said, okay, we got a lender that'll come back and give you X amount of your revenue uh, per year as a loan. And for me, that's a lot more inexpensive than some of the other options I've sure. looked at from the corporation side. Yeah. Uh, Bill, when it comes to tax professionals, there's a wide variety. Uh, and uh, you hear these phrases like my tax, my tax person, he's conservative or she's conservative or they're aggressive. Uh, I guess, what does that mean? And, and can you give us a better understanding on why there's such a vast spectrum of tax professionals out there? Sure, sure. So, so first off, the tax code is the tax code. I mean, it, it's what it says, right? All tax practitioners are, are governed by something called Circular 230. And within Circular 230 is a whole bunch of rules that we uh, have to operate by or, 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 or live by uh, as tax practitioners. And then in addition, 
uh, every year we're required to take uh, ethics courses, and uh, uh, those tell us how we're supposed to operate and, and govern. I have noticed that uh, in our profession there's an engagement letter, mm-hmm. and okay. in the engagement letter it specifies the scope of the uh, uh, what we're going to do. And every one that I've read says that if uh, there's a judgment to be made, uh, we're going to make the, the judgment in favor of the uh, 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 client, not the IRS. So if there's a if there's some kind of deduction, we go okay. Uh, should this how does this work? We look for the most favorable outcome for the client, not for the IRS. Hmm. But, but that's because we have that relationship. I mean, okay. that responsibility. Uh, what you're probably looking at is the amount of work required <laughs> yeah. to to make something happen. So that's the difference, really. It, it, there, there's a lot of work in making uh, uh Get, getting money moved from one type of business or one type of an account to another type of an account to a, accomplish things. So anyway, we're and there's quite a range. There is. Yeah. yeah. And I've actually seen that too, where in that same example, not to knock on H&R Block, but say you just have a person that's really focused on volume. You know, they just want to get as many tax returns done as possible and hopefully as simple as possible. And we've all, all probably been to that doctor that, you know, you go to sit in and see the doctor and they got a patient every 15 minutes and they're just kind of seeing like, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 patients a day. Yeah. And then there's the other doctor you went to that says, Hey, I'm going to spend two hours with you just learning your situation, really coming up with a comprehensive plan going the extra mile. Now you're going to pay a little bit more for that, you know, uh, that in-depth, you know, attention. But as far as taxes, it will pay, in my opinion, just great dividends as far as the service that you get and potentially bottom line of what you owe in taxes too. So I think that's maybe where we get that phrase, you know, conservative or aggressive is based on the amount of work that they're going to be putting in uh, on behalf of the client. Okay. Well, is that one of the things that's changed for you, Glenn, over the years? Uh, And and maybe talk about when it comes to taxes, kind of your point of view, how it's changed over the years as, as your business has Mm -hmm. grown and evolved. Um, I never liked taxes to begin with (laughs) kind of overwhelming and scary. And uh, it's still on the top five list of uh, my wife's fears is the IRS, you know, IRS public speaking, like not, not snakes, not like tornadoes or (laughs) King Kong IRS, IRS. But um, I guess my, my, my knowledge has changed because I've got a little bit more information and I've invested my, my knowledge in the area and I have gained a little bit more comfort level to say, okay, this is realistically what it looks like. Here are the penalties if I don't. And it just helps me be more comfortable in that, that space. And, um, and then seeing the value of working with uh, a professional in that area saying, Hey, I really can't do this alone at all is I need to have a professional that does all this. And being able to even look at clients to say, okay, here's your, you know, your needs, this CPA really focuses, or this tax person really works well in this box, or, Hey, this person really needs some complicated stuff done. You know, that's something that definitely, you know, this, this person can help with like something like bills. So yeah. I think knowing how to direct each, each business owner or a person to the right fit, if you will, for, for tax professional has also been something that I've grown over. Well, the and years. you mentioned the big box tax return people before sure. that might be great when you have a W2. And you're just doing something simple oh, versus yeah. Bill who specializes in small businesses mm-hmm. and m- much more complex, complicated yeah, uh, they, tax they, returns. Right. Then Go, yeah. The, the, those facts and circumstances are unique. To yeah, each, absolutely. Each, Let each me just client. ask you, because you've been doing this for a long time as an enrolled agent. Um, how has your 
out view and outlook change on kind of taxes and tax code. I mean, from when you started. Yeah. So, so tax, the tax code has become more and more convoluted and <laughs> ominous and oppressive. And it, uh, uh, one of the things that I've observed more and more is that the tax code is used to, uh, by Congress and, and the state legislatures to uh, manipulate uh, behavior. And I, I, I just, personally find that offensive I, I appreciate that they need taxes to r- operate the government mm-hmm. but the uh, the whole manipulation of the uh, uh, of the population seems to irritate me personally. <laughs> yeah anyway uh, and, and just the whole complicated part of it oh it yeah just uh, I, I, I just don't think that's right but that's a that's get, a couple more shows that's yeah. like a, it was yeah. a, we over 10,000 pages the tax code I mean, yeah imagine that in a book yeah it's yeah. a big book. 87,000 agents, things like that. <laughs> well, let, let's end with this and maybe get both of your takes here. We're, we're with uh, Bill Baker. And uh, Glenn, I'll start with you. Kind of a fun question to kind of wrap things up. Why do you think people have a fear like Bill is saying, or like you said, with the IRS? And is it justified or is it over-exaggerated? We've heard a lot about the 87,000 new IRS mm-hmm. agents coming online. Oh, that's Should we all be? <laughs> yeah, I mean, t- talk about that a bit. And I, well, I think it's just on the surface, 87,000 new agents uh, sounds a little bit scary. But then if you peel back the layers and go, okay, well, wait, what exactly are those people doing? Are they all just for enforcement and knocking on people's doors and checking their you know wallets to make sure they pay the taxes? <laughs> or are they just backfilling positions of people that were retiring and they're underfunded to begin with? I think having some more knowledge about what, you know, challenging your perceptions. Um, so I think sometimes the fears can be justified like, oh, yeah, I get it. You know, I, I would see that as being alarming on the surface, but let's maybe peel back the layers and make sure we have a good understanding. So, um, but yeah, the IRS is, uh, if you get on their bad side, they can, they can do a lot. They can freeze your assets. They can garnish wages. They can throw you in the, you know, uh, penitentiary. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say slammer, Um, but that's an old term. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Bill, and I, I think that as a small business owner, like myself, like Glenn, like many others, and like many of your clients, you might be a sole operator or you might have a few employees and you have a certain amount of resources. But when you hear the IRS and a complicated tax code and, you know, you're trying to run your business at the same time and they have virtually unlimited resources, that's a scary thing. It's yeah, it's a legitimate problem. Uh, and, and being a government agency, they really have, there's no recourse. They can make a mistake mm-hmm. and you have the consequences of that mistake mm-hmm. and there's really no yeah. Recourse to that. Oops. So, oops. Yeah. Oops. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. We didn't mean it. It cost you a hundred grand in legal yeah. and, yeah, yeah. you know, counting yeah. fees. Oops. All that stuff. Yeah. Or, or yeah. just flat out take your money. So, so the, uh, the good news is really only thing the IRS wants is your money. Uh, so that's really it. Bottom line, give them all your money and that's it. They're, they'll <laughs> go away. But I, I don't take that flippantly because I know it really represents the hard work folks yeah. do. Yeah. Right. Right. Yep. So, so this 87,000 agents is a real deal that it, they're going to try to do. And it's for enforcement. Mm-hmm. Now, enforcement isn't knocking on your door necessarily. It seems it has a lot to do with uh, uh, computers and programs, and they have more ways to enforce than, mm-hmm. than just knocking on the door. So knowing that, what I'm reminding folks is that we have a business, we operate like a business. So operate like a business. It'll be fine. Keep your documentation. Yes. You keep all your money in your business account for business and mm-hmm. then move it to your personal and then spend it over there on Disneyland yeah. or wherever you're doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, 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 so keep your documentation, keep your operate like a business, have a plan. Okay. Yeah. Um, 
you want to learn more about Bill Baker? Sure. Um, GraniteMountainAccounting.com, mm-hmm. and, and he'll, he'll talk with you about all this stuff, complicated yeah, stuff. Yeah, if you also call me and do an appointment, and that makes sense to have a, you know, get connected, happy to do that as well. Like I said, I, I got connected with Bill actually through uh, a client of mine years ago. I kept you know having to interact with Bill, and I was like, you know, this is kind of, I know, let me talk to him a little bit more. I'm kind of intrigued. So, yeah, ever, history ever since. So, yeah. All right. Lots of information there. You can listen back, look up Intelligent Investing with Glenn Least on your favorite podcast provider. Like Glenn said, give him a call 928-225-2474 or go um, email him, intelligentinvesting at wtwealthmanagement.com. Uh, Bill, Glenn, it's been fun. Taxes are always fun. <laughs> we are back you. here next week. Thank <laughs> you, guys. Yep. See you Bye-bye. soon. The following has been paid programming brought to you by WT Wealth Management. Nothing we've discussed should be considered as investment advice. This conversation was for informational purposes only. Please do your own research and speak to an investment advisor or financial planner before making any investment decisions.